This is a podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. Rian Lewis agreed to take part in groundbreaking retinal implant research. I visited Rian's home to find out more, but began by asking Rian to tell me about her sight loss. I was diagnosed with retinitis pigmentosa when I was about five years old. My parents had noticed that I wouldn't cross a room that was darkened from one light room to the other because I just could not see in the dark. So that was sort of how it started and then progressively it's got worse. So I had a normal childhood up to a point and then, you know, I had to wear glasses, I had to sit at the front to see the board. But as I've got older, it's got progressively worse where the light is going, a bit like a dimmer switch going off. And then about 16 years ago, the kids were only little, I've got twins, and I rubbed my left eye and realised I couldn't see anything at all through my right. There's a tiny sliver of light left at the top so they reckon that was like a lump of pigments had just gone across my retina. And then with the left eye, it's basically just getting less and less and less very quickly now. All that's in my left eye is a little bit of light. So I can sort of see where the windows are, if it's light or if the light's on. And that's about it. I've got no shape or anything. Yearly, I go to the Heath Hospital, to the eye unit, and Professor Vitruba asked me about 2011 if I would like to take part in any research projects. And then, out of the blue, I got an appointment to go to John Radcliffe in 2012 to meet with Professor McLaren. So he had mentioned that they were doing this research project and that they were trying to get funding And then after they got the funding, they were trying to go through the red tape and the protocol. And would I be interested in this operation and this research project? So I said yes, not really having any expectations. And then it sort of came to fruition last June. After rigorous testing, they sort of test you a bit psychologically. It isn't a miracle cure and something might not happen and and it is a bit of a risk and to expect the worst and the best at the same time. So, so yeah, that's how it started. You were in theatre for nine and a half hours. What happened then, Rianne? It didn't take long to recover from the operation, you know, like physically. It was just my eye, I had have drops for ages. It still hasn't quite healed, apparently. And I had stitches in my eyebrow there. And I don't know if you want to feel that, but that's where the receiver oh, yes. is. Oh, good gosh, yes. So I can feel just above your ear, I can yeah. feel a ridge. That is actually a magnetic receiver to receive electrical impulses to activate the chip, which is sort of in the back of my retina, which is about as big as a grain of sand, really, isn't it? So I stitch it there because they bring the wire across my temple and into my eyebrow. And then that then wire, that was the ear, nose and throat specialist that the James Ramson I think his name was that did that that was the first sort of hour or two and then Professor McLaren and his assistant Tom Edwards they then attached the wire that he'd left here and back in and they made a route in my eye socket to put the wire and then they turned my eye in on itself to then attach the wire to the retinal implant to which all my family went ooh. After that, then, they sort of sent me home. And then I went back a week later to get the stitches out. Oh, I'm fine. I could wash my hair. That was the worst thing for me. I couldn't wash my hair. And then a month later, then I went for the switch on. So on the box, you have a little, what do you call that? A socket, I A suppose, socket for the actual magnetic receiver, which is that. 
Then there's a couple of knobs on there for gain and receiver. And there's one I'm not allowed to use, which they change the frequency. And the frequency means how many flashes per second. So what happens is this magnet, which is quite strong, fits to my head. Is it sitting above your ear there? Yes. And if you, if you want to take it off and put it back on again, you'll be able to feel how strong it actually is. Oh, my goodness, yeah. So what happens then is there's a little switch on the machine. Yes. And you probably hear this. That tells me it's on. And then as soon as it comes on, you see where that window is there? Yes. There's a flash of light. I know that that's where the window is because there's this sort of shimmer of light in that eye. If I sort of move my head, I know when it starts because it's quite a small flash. What I think is useful is if the light goes in this eye, like it did in that one, I'd be able to get around, because I do get around the house by windows and lights, you know? So really speaking, to orientate myself when that one goes, because it will go, and assuming the chip is still working, I think that's great, you know? Do you use it now? I do use it daily. They recommend that I use it to practice as much as possible, but not to use it more than an hour and a half to two hours a day because the retina gets tired. But out, it's not quite so good because this machine depends on contrast, you know, and the contrast between light and dark. And depending on the light outside, I mean, because it's never consistent. It's usually consistent in the house, isn't it? So I do try, but I wouldn't trust it solely yet, you know. I, I mean, i still got to practice with it. Not only were you going through that, obviously, a BBC TV crew was there with you as well. Yeah, when they were preparing me for the whole research project, they asked me if I'd take part in media coverage. So I said no to media coverage. I didn't really want to have my life imposed on, you know. But they did sort of ask me if I'd do this one programme, which was Trust Me, I'm a Doctor, for the BBC. And I've watched that anyway. I find it quite interesting. And they said it wouldn't be very invasive. It would be just that. And I thought, well, yeah, that's okay because if it helps them to get further funding and, you know, helps people in the future, that's fine by me. It wasn't too much trouble for me. A lovely woman, the producer. And they came here, interviewed me in the house. They filmed the operation, which I obviously I was out of it. And a little bit afterwards, and because they were so nice, that, that was fine, you know. And they sent me sort of a little bit of the programme. I knew it wasn't going to be on for very long you know, I thought, that's fine, it's on BBC Two. Not everybody's going to see it. That's, that's not a problem. However, what actually happened was, just before Christmas, the press secretary in Oxford phoned me and said, would you be willing, if I put a press release out to some of the newspapers, to do a little article to sort of advertise this, trust me, I'm a doctor. So I said, well, I can't see any problem. He said it was the Times, the Daily Mail. I thought, just a little article, that wouldn't be a problem. So he said, well, if it's a quiet news day, you know, it might be a little bit more than that. And that's all he said. So <laughs> cause what happened then on the Tuesday morning? I got up really early for some reason and I put the telly on. And all of a sudden on the news, Piers Morgan is reading my na- name. I nearly swore then, sorry. And I thought, hang on a minute, that, that's not what I said. You know, they, they put two quotes together to make it sound completely sensational you know and then I turned over to the BBC news and it was even longer and I thought I've got to be fair I wasn't over the moon by it you know then I had a phone call from the clinical director from the research project in Oxford and she said quite happily how do you feel and I said well I can't say I'm over the moon because you know it's a bit sensational I said you know 
So she said, oh, take her with a pinch of salt. And then she was doing an interview with the BBC later that morning. So I did actually say to her, now, you know, what are you going to say? Because it's sort of so over the top. Then my son comes running down the stairs. Mummy says, you're the front story on Wales Online. I'm going, oh, my God. So then when my friends come round and he said, well, I've seen you on this, that and the other. You're all over the internet. And then we'd gone to town. I thought, I'm not staying in all day. <laughs> so we'd gone to town and we were on something to eat. And then one of our friend's friends had said, oh, she heard about the woman on the radio from Cardiff that can see her kids. I was, and I went, that's me. And no, I can't. <laughs> and it's just, and the phone was just ringing all day. I just was not expecting it. And then my father-in-law said I was on the world news. I said, can you have to be on the moon not to know about it? I mean, obviously, they, they've got to make a story, you know, so they're going to, like, pick up the positives and exaggerate it. We, we know that, and it is exaggerated, it's overblown. But at the heart of it, it's serious research. So, I mean, if they're going to get more funding out of it, then one day of my discomfort, that's by the by, isn't it, you know? But it, it, it has been overblown. And I think things like that, it gives people false hope. You know, they're a bit far off me seeing my kids... But it is really useful research, and some of it is working, but that's not a story, is it? So can you sum up what type of year it's been, Rianne? No. <laughs> the whole media thing, well, that was yesterday's news, isn't it? Like, a lot of people have forgotten that, so that's fine. Yeah, it'll be quite nice to get to the end of it, because a lot of time is invested in just talking about your eye. And you're talking a lot about what you can't do as well as what you can do, and it can be a little bit demoralising. So... It's been an adventure, you know. Rian Lewis, talking about her part in a groundbreaking retinal implant research project. Thanks for listening to this podcast from RNIB's Insight Radio. For more podcasts, check out insightradio.co.uk.